Today I want to, you know, I want to uh, get to our next piece of armor, okay? Have you guys feeling like you're a little getting better with your armor? Yeah. Putting it on, understanding it? So we're going to talk about strapping on your boots today, okay? And it's an interesting scripture because it's all, it was kind of the, the funny little way they say it, especially in the King James and the New King James, they having your feet shod, gospel peace, and it's like, I used to, when I was younger, just kind of skip over that part. Like, ah, well, that sounds weird. Okay, put my shoes on. Cool. Go, let, okay, let's get to the sword, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but as I, as I studied over the years and it was meditating on this, found some really cool nuggets in here. Anyone like chicken nuggets? No? They're pretty gross. Deep fried. Probably bad for you. I, I've been fasting all that stuff for three weeks, so I, I might have a lot of carbs talk in my sermon today. The bread of life. No. <laughs> but I, I found some nuggets, and I want us to dig in the Word today and find some, some nuggets of God that are hidden in that obscure verse of having your feet shod with the gospel of peace. So let's take a look at that. And before we do that, I want you to remember why. Remember why we're talking about armor. I can't drill this in enough into our hearts that why are we talking about this armor? Okay, so what's our vision for our church? To know, yes, to know him and to make him known. That's our vision. So remembering why, we go back to our vision. Why are we studying this script, the, these scriptures on warfare and the spiritual armor and how to defeat our enemy? Why are we doing that? Because, first thing in your notes, because a better you makes a better us. You with me? A better you makes a better us. A stronger you makes a stronger us. And you guessed it, a victorious you makes a victorious us. The reason why I'm teaching on this is to help you as an individual succeed and fight in your battlefield so that you can have success because as you grow closer to the Lord and you conquer your enemies in your life, the better witness you are to the people around you. And the better that happens, the bigger and stronger and more victorious we are as a body. Are you with me? Because, so, you know, the weakest link thing. You're only as strong as your weakest link. And as a church, we need to hand in hand, arm in arm, together, encourage one another, strengthen one another, and, and sometimes admonish one another to keep on the fight. To keep, because God's promised us victory, we are not to get saved and then get defeated the rest of our Christian life in, the, in, in, in our battles and then finally get to heaven. No, we're supposed to get saved and then learn how to conquer those things that have power and dominion over us because Jesus conquered all that. He, Jesus said he is, he's the conqueror of all things. He's made an open public spectacle of the enemy. In public places. So Jesus has conquered that. So we should, as Christians, right, be living victoriously. Am I right, Brad? As Christians, if we're all experiencing victories, you know, that doesn't mean we're the perfect church by, by any means. But as the, more and more people get a hold of their own stuff and fight for it and exercise faith and uh, put God's will on it, his word on it, and we have victory, then that spreads, and then so-and-so else gets victory, and they get victory. And then pretty soon, wait, how come people are victoriously living? Today, guys, in our society, people want to be with people that are going somewhere, <clears throat> have a positive outlook on their future, right? I mean, if there's anything right now in our, in our uh, United States is we need God's vision of our future. We need to not only know it up here, but we need to live it and believe it and experience God's future in our hearts and let that be contagious. But if, the, if we can say we have a great future, but if we're not experiencing any victory over sin, do you know that we're supposed to be victorious over sin? We're not, we're not oh, it's just, we're always going to sin. It's, no, 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 no. God has uh, delivered us from the power of sin. He's given us authority and power to overcome sin. As a Christian, we should be sinning less and less. And when we do fall, and that's okay, we do fall, we should be repenting quicker and quicker. 
and getting back up on our feet and fighting and staying strong. So the better you makes a better us. So we're learning how this armor, and this armor is going to help us fight the battles that we all have, the ones people know about and the ones people don't know about. It's going to help you fight and be victorious. So that's why we do it. So let's read our context verse in Ephesians 6 again. So the Bible says in Ephesians 6, 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, every single piece, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, talking about our shoes today, stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, And having put on your breastplate of righteousness, which we talked about the last couple weeks, in verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the shoes, or having your feet shod, which we'll look at that word in a little bit. These are, this is the third piece of armor that we talked about a few weeks ago about being our top three or our first three foundational um, pieces of armor. We talked about, remember the first thing they put on, or the first one mentioned is the belt. We started with the helmet, right, back in December because that was the battlefield, but the first piece of armor is the belt. Second was the breastplate of righteousness, which we talked about last week. The third one is, and remember, these three are the ones that we are to put on, okay, The other three are the ones that we are to take up. So put on, take up. So these three, this is the final third thing that we are putting on. We have put on these things. Belt, breastplate, and now we're putting on shoes. And remember, to put on meant a saturation of your mind on that subject. To be endued with that concept or that truth. To have a mindset shift. A, new, a unique way to view your battlefield. Every piece of armor gives you a unique way to look at your battlefield, gives you a great insight to how the enemy will fight against you with each piece of armor. So it gives us the mindset, remember this battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities of darkness, against spiritual forces. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, I'm not fighting with you? <laughs> yeah, spouses, are, wait, okay, yeah. You are not be fighting with each other. That's not your battle. Your battle is against principalities and powers of darkness. And so that's why God says, take up this armor that I'm talking about in the physical, but it has a spiritual implication and gives you spiritual insight and gives you spiritual cheat codes so that you can win and be like Paul said. Don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes, Paul said. Don't be unaware that the enemy's out to trick and to lie and deceive you. So these are the three foundational pieces of armor, and the, the, um, the shoes are the third. So remember, and recall, helmet we talked about, which is not one of the foundational three, was the first thing we talked about, because remember, that's where our battlefield takes place. So we put on the helmet first, because I want to talk about, we talked about salvation, and being sure of that you're saved, not doubting your salvation. Remember, doubting your salvation is like taking your helmet off during a battle, which is really stupid. So keep your helmet on. So we talk about being saved and knowing that God loves you and protected, it protected your identity with the Father. And then we talked about the, the belt. Remember the belt of truth, right? So the belt represented and protect us from deception. So having a standard of God's word being our truth that was going to protect us and keep us un, uh, ineffective. Remember the belt? What did it cover? No, the belt covered what? Remember that funny word for reproductive stuff? Yeah, loins. It's a weird word, like whoever used that. I, I challenge you to use loins once this week. No, I'm kidding. But loins, it protected your loins, which we thought was kind of weird, but that we talked about that protecting the reproductive area and in a spiritual sense, re- protecting us from not being effective. The belt of truth protects us from being ineffective and inefficient and helps us to be able to reproduce and reproduce the love of God in other people and reproduce God's uh, will for our lives. So that was the belt of truth. And then we looked at the breastplate last week, which protects our, remember, our confidence towards God. And remember, we talked about in that, in his standing. 
Remember his status? How, how we are, does God, where are we, where's our standing with God? What's our status when we, we, we go to prayer? Do you ever go to prayer sometimes and you start praying and you're like, I wonder what God's really thinking of me right now. Like, are we cool? <laughs> God, are we good? Like, are you mad at me? Like, oh yeah, I kind of blew it. Yeah, you know, it's that status. So that breastplate of righteousness, righteousness meaning in right standing with God or justified by God, we knew that it wasn't about works, remember? It was about, not about performing, but about his grace and that we are saved by grace through faith and that the breastplate, the hell strategy against the breastplate would be that you gotta perform. So we, we learned that the breastplate tells us a trick of the enemy, that he's gonna come and try and attack us and always making us trying to perform for God, always getting us looking for his uh, favor and approval through acts of works and, and performing for him. And the Bible says it's not, you can't perform good enough. You gotta accept it by faith through grace. You've got to accept God's love. He is your righteousness. You can't do enough good stuff to become righteous. So we talked about the breastplate protecting our heart, and in that, knowing that God loves us and is, is approved of us, and he, in Christ, we are perfect. And that's a good strategy. That's a good way when you're fighting the tough things in your life. Man, that's a good thing to know, that God loves you, and you're secure in his righteousness. You know, another way to look at it, and I believe this is in your notes, another way to look at it is this for your foundational three. Your belt represents and asks the question, do you know what God said? Because that has to do with knowledge, in parentheses, knowledge. So the belt has to do with the truth of God and knowing what God said. Remember how the enemy attacked Eve and Jesus? Did God really say that? Remember to Eve? Did God really say that you'll surely die? So he brought question of the word. So the belt of truth talks about knowing what God's word says. Remember Jesus, if you are the son of God, well, he knew that. So the belt gives us that knowledge. So do we know what God is saying or do do we know what God said? The belt of truth, that's a great way to look at it and think of these uh, pieces of armor. The the next one of the three was uh, breastplate. And this is about, do you believe what God said? So you can know what God said, but then the breastplate protect our heart. That's where our heart is. And do we believe in our heart? Someone's excited because they guessed over there. Is that what happened? Okay. (laughs) I do the same thing. It's so funny. Yes. Do you believe what God said? So in parentheses, I put faith. You got to believe. So knowledge first, the belt of truth represents knowledge and knowing what God said. The breastplate uh, resembles faith and what do you believe what God said? And then shoes, today we're going to look at, and you can look at this way for the shoes. Do you know what to do with what God said? Do you know what God said? Do you believe what God said? And the shoes dealing with action have to do with do you know what to do with what God said and that's action in parentheses so that's a good way to think of those things to help you remember what God's trying to speak in and through those so let's take a look at the shoes I want to read you Ephesians six fifteen in a few different translations so we'll hear some different ways people have translated because it is a kind of a difficult verse to translate Ephesians 6 in the NIV says and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. How about the New Living Translation says this, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. How about the New King James, it says this, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. A lot of different things. To me, for me, maybe you got it, maybe it's easy for you, but for me, I was like, eh, what does that really mean? Like, okay, feet, gospel. Some commentators say, yeah, you know, it's about the, the feet of the gospel and good, bringing the good news, you know, and, it was, and that kind of correlates, but really most commentators say, no, that doesn't really totally what it means. But I want to break down the, script, the, the verse for you, and then you can make your own decision, and then this can help you kind of understand the concepts behind what he's saying. So let's look at that. So, Having shod is, the, is a word there in the Greek, hupideo. And this word means I put on my feet, or in, in definition, literally, I bind under. 
Um, I put on my feet. I am shod. So it means to bind up under and strap up, because they used to strap their sandals on, heavy leather strapped on sandals. And so it means to bind up. Now, I want you to get the intensity, because this just isn't tying your shoes. <laughs> Come on, you have kids, right, and their shoes come untied all the time? Right? Yeah? Okay, so it's like, I remember my kids like, oh, how do your shoes get untied all the time? It's like a shoe demon here. <laughs> like, it's, you know, you're tripping over yourself, and their shoes are falling off, and no, tie your shoes. And I remember I'd tie my kids like in triple knots, and then we could never get them off. But uh, this tying is, is kind of an intense binding. Check out what this same Greek word is used in other places in the New Testament, what it is referred to. So in Matthew 12, 29, the same Greek word is used this way. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Other translations are bind up the strong men. So you're talking about, Jesus talking about, he's actually talking about deliverance and stuff, and he's talking about how can anyone go in and take someone's possessions unless they first take care of the biggest, strongest guy in the house and tie him up, and then once he's bound and hogtied, then you can go take everything he has. So we're not just talking, hey, let's put, a, let's put some ribbon on your wrist and, you know, and, and tie your, no, we're tying up with cords where you can't move. So it's a, tight, a tightness to it. Another one in Matthew 14, 13 I thought was interesting was when they seized John and put him in prison. It says, for Herod had seized John, bound him, and put him in prison. So this is an intense tying. It's not like just, oh, let's tie a little bow. This is binding to your feet. Why? I want you to get this concept. It is important for a Roman soldier that his shoes don't come off. And as a, spirit, as a Christian, it is important that when we put on our shoes and getting ready for stuff that, we, that they don't fall off, that our foundation is secure and safe and ready to go. We'll look more into that. So this word means about aggressively tying your shoes. So let's unpack the rest of the verse, though. So now that we've looked at what Paul was saying with shod your feet, which is to take under and bind and tie on, let's take a look at the, the, the rest of the verse. Here's another translation, Young's Literal Translation. So this is a good translation to read sometimes when you're studying the Bible. Young's Literal Translation is where he wrote the whole Bible out because it's, you know, in Spanish where you kind of say words like, like Yoda says, you know, pizza, I will eat, you know. Backwards, you know, are you with me? Is that me? So in Spanish, that was my whole memory. Hey, you're, the words are all weird. It's kind of like that, uh, interpreting the Greek too, where words can go back and forth. So what, what Young's did is he kind of did it the best way, but literal translation. So it's, it's hard to read, but it's actually the literal translations of the words instead of a lot of other paraphrases like NLT and, and the message where they kind of paraphrase stuff or the or other versions. So it's a good one to read in congruence with all your other versions, just a side study note. So Ephesians 6 says this, having the feet shod in the preparation of the good news of the peace. So just think about that. So having your feet shod in the preparation of the good news of the peace. And we'll talk, because it's like, wait, I thought of peace. Why do they say it? of the peace? So we'll talk about that in a moment. But let's look at the second word, preparation there. It says preparation. Preparation is the Greek word hetomasea, and I'm probably butchering that, so I'm not a Greek scholar. But it means foundation, firm footing, preparation, or readiness. So I like to read the verse with the other words in it to kind of help me get a larger grasp of what it's meaning. So having your feet shod or having your shoes on tight, right, with the firm footing of the gospel of peace. Or having your shoes on or shod your feet, having binded on your sandals with the foundation of the gospel of peace. Okay? So it kind of broadens that word there. Or it could be having your feet, your shoes on tight with the readiness. Kind of fits in with feet. Readiness to go and move in action. So that's having the preparation. So your feet bound on tight, being firmly footed, or foundation or readiness in the gospel. And then, of course, the gospel, what does that mean? Yeah, that's it. God's good news. That's what it means. So that's an easy one. We can move right along. Don't have to go into that word. Uh, let's see here. And I turn two pages. All right. 
So then the last one is peace. Now this is where it gets kind of fun and interesting because um, the, the, the word for peace really talks about wholeness. And wholeness is an example of this. When all essential parts are joined together, God's gift of wholeness. So in our minds, in our, in our culture, peace means more so the absence of chaos than it does the absence of chaos and the unification and the togetherness of something else. So it's, more, it's less complete in our language because most of the time we say, oh, if I could just get some peace and quiet. Can I get any peace in my relationship? My marriage, you know, whatever. So peace, we kind of use that way, but the word is so much richer when it talks about wholeness because it's not just the absence of chaos or fighting or uh, uh, an odd or a division between two people. It's about really, and it has in the roots of the word, a coming together like the two becoming one flesh, like marriage. So there's, there's this, yeah, there's no, there's no fighting and there's peace in that sense, but there's also a coming together and being reunited with someone or something. So if you think about it, when God sent Jesus, he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, we got to go back to what it was like before sin. Exciting. We get to, in Christ, have a relationship with God like Adam and Eve had, but even better because of what Jesus did. So really, the good news of the gospel <laughs> is that we have full access to God. We, we can jump on his lap. We, he loves us. We're his kids. He's adopting us. I mean, this is good news, don't you think? I mean, I get excited when I think about really what the gospel says. So we talk about having your feet shod with the foundation or the readiness or the sure-footedness of the good news about reuniting with God. Isn't that exciting? I, that, you know, that, that excites me. So here's kind of how I look at it. The DLT, this is really dumb, but this is Doug's literal translation. <laughs> so after meditating on this, I thought, oh, I'm just going to, I, I kind of like the um, uh, Amplified Bible. If you read the Amplified version, it's pretty good too. But it kind of describes, helps you see the whole picture. So I put this, I put, having your cleats, because it's really about cleats. So do you know the Roman the Roman shoes they put on had uh, cleats on. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Having your cleats securely tied so that you have good traction in which to maneuver around or through your opponent's obstacles so that you can live in and share God's peace or wholeness. And you might ask, well, why did you put in that whole thing about opponents and getting around obstacles. That wasn't in there. If you read the context of the scripture, it is. Because remember, when you go back to the, the first verse we read, right, it says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you can be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all stand, stand firm. And then you have to read the, before you get into the actual piece of armor, you have to read the prelude for each piece of armor. So you really should read the first three sentences about this is a warfare, about spiritual battles, belt of, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness. Read the whole thing again, go to the shoes. Read the whole thing again, go to the faith sword. You know what I'm saying? The helmet. You should read all that. So in context of, this, of, this, um, of the scripture, that is what the purpose of the having your feet shod and ready is so that you will be sure-footed when you're going through enemy territory trying to take back the land and the promises of God that are yours that you're not experiencing right now, amen? Your promised land is there waiting. God said, go take it. It's yours today, right now. You can have it, but you gotta go take it because God's training you. He's transforming you. He's conforming you into the very image of his son. He's preparing you for an eternal existence with him, ruling and reigning with him. You're in training right now. That's why you need good cleats. Good cleats so you have good traction and you're ready to go and you can dodge enemies, opponents, or sometimes hit them face on and knock them out. You have the power. Jesus lives in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That tells me that Christ in me, I can go plow my enemies over, that they should have no chance. Amen? Amen. I'm excited about that. Just get excited myself. But 
Paul wanted to make sure we understand that having your feet shod or bound or tied on was vitally important to not only a Roman warrior, but also to you as a believer. A Roman soldier needed a sure footing when he goes to battle. Can you imagine if you had shoes? Have you ever had flip-flops? that have no grip, they're worn, they're smooth as smooth, and they're just, you walk on water and cement, you can totally slip. Can you imagine a Roman soldier walking out with smooth leather bottom shoes in a field in the morning with dew freshly on the grass, trying to hold a siege mount, or their, you ever see those movies where they all get their, their shields, and they put them down, and then they all do like a wall? Yeah? What's it called? You probably know. Oh, I thought... The guys that are in the games at Warfare, they, they have all, my son could tell me the official name. Anyway, so they're, can you imagine having no stable footing and trying to hold it and you just slip? One slip breaks down the wall because they're jabbing swords in there. You could kill, get yourself killed or get your friends killed. So it was vitally important that they had a good foundation. And number one, the shoes were studded on the bottom like cleats, giving them a good traction on multiple surfaces. If a soldier slipped, they would likely die. If they're in a sword fight and they slipped and fell to the ground, you are at a severe disadvantage when you slip in battle. Likewise, when you slip spiritually, you are at a severe disadvantage to your enemy. And if you don't get up quick, it could be trouble for you and, unfortunately, people around you. As a Christian soldier, your spiritual feet are important. It is important that you have a sure footing with good traction in the spirit. That you're, Because you're liable to slip. And when resisting the enemy, the last thing you want to do is slip. Listen to this, guys. The conditions of your foundation around you are not determined by the world or someone else. It's determined by God, God's word and your faith response to it. You don't know what the circumstances and the environment are going to be when you go out in the field. You don't know if there's going to be mud. You don't know if there's slippery gut. You don't know if there's going to be sharp rocks. You don't know that environment. And that's not your problem. You have, that's why God says put on these shoes so that no matter what environment you walk out in, you'll be prepared. If, can you imagine, have you ever stepped on a rock that's pointed on your bare feet? Goes, and that hurt, right? Can you imagine being out in a, in a battle and your shoe falling off and then you're trying to fight and you step right on the point of a rock? Oh, you're sure to die. So it's vitally important that we understand that it's not determinate by the world or somebody else. Don't let someone else determine your environment. Oh, you know, whether it's safe or not, you have to go out and be prepared to whatever ground you're going to walk on. Psalms 37, 29 says this. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. So slipping there compared right to having God's word in your heart giving you direction. Psalms uh, 121, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He gives you a sure foundation. Guys, I'm telling you that it, one of the most dangerous things we can do as a Christian, if there's one thing you get out of today, is to make sure that your shoes, you're thinking about your spiritual shoes are fitted and ready to go, and you're, you have cleats on the bottom so that you can have a sure foundation no matter where you go in life, whether you're at work, school, wherever you go, you're sure that no matter what environment you face, you're ready to take a stand against the enemy's uh, forces. Isn't it horrible to slip? Have you guys ever slipped? Yeah? I want to show you a video about someone that slipped. I don't know if you've ever done this, but let's check it out. Sound, please. Come on, guys. 
kind of sad, but... part which is slipping spiritually and how that can hurt not only you but others around you we all know where our slip spots are I want you to pay attention guy I want you to open up your hearts and let the Holy Spirit dig down deep in your heart because we all know where our own areas of weakness are where we slip the ones people in your life know about and the slip spots that you're trying to hide from everybody else God knows and sees it all. And he doesn't want you to slip. And it's not about just quit doing bad stuff. It's more of, no, don't slip because when you, you, you slip, it makes you uh, uh, open and vulnerable to the enemy and you could hurt other people around you. Our slipping, in your notes there, our slipping is not always planned. It's not planned, but slipping is avoidable. Slipping is avoidable. And if these people had their feet shod with the feet readiness with cleats on them and proper shoes in the right environment, they could have avoided slipping. Now, I'm not saying we don't slip. We all, at times, slip in our lives. But as Christians, we can't avoid most of our slippage. A lot of our slipping in our Christian life is due to lack of understanding and lack of preparation spiritually. Proverbs 7, 6, and for several verses, talks about a young man walking by the house of an adulterous woman. And King Solomon is trying to give wisdom to this young man. He calls him a young man and a fool because he's not aware of his surroundings. He's walking right towards the ice patch and going to slip, but he doesn't see it. And in Proverbs he says, At the window of my house I looked down through the lattice. I saw a, among the simple, I noticed a young man, a youth, who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. He wasn't aware. He wasn't aware of his surroundings. He was walking right down the street of a known adulterous woman that would seduce him. And it goes through several verses of saying what she does and gets him to sleep with her. And it's, it's messed up. And in verse 24, he says, Now then, my sons, after telling him this story, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart be turned her ways or stray onto her path. A lot of times we can avoid slipping in our life if we know what happens when we go down that road. We know what happens when no one else is around and we're in the house alone. We know when we're around this type or group of people, we know what we tend to do. We know when we're dating and young and no one's at the house and it's late at night and the lights are off. We know there's slipping points there. And I'm not just talking about sexual immorality or sexual sin, which is rampant in our country. And as Christians, we need to make a stand. 
that we're going to do sexuality right and we're going to do it God's way. If we don't make that standard and set that up, the church is going nowhere. Church, it is under attack. The church is under attack and our morality and the way God set up marriage and the way God created sex to be done is not being done. And we as a church have to do it right. But I'm not just talking about sexual sin. There's other sins. There's other slippage points that we all know that we get into. Proverbs 4.13 says this, Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot. Talking about feet, right? Do not set foot on the path of the wicked. Or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. Where our feet take us, our body goes. We have to learn our slippery points and learn to avoid them. But maybe sexual lust is an issue for you. Maybe protect, maybe you need to think about protecting yourself. Maybe you should put some software on your computer. Maybe you should get an accountability partner to help you not do the things you know you shouldn't do because you know when you slip. You know the road and what it looks like. Maybe dating couples. I always used to have a rule when I was a youth pastor for many years. Don't be alone. People dating before marriage, don't be alone. Don't stay up late. and Keep the lights on. You follow those three simple things that will keep you from a lot of trouble. And so maybe you need to get accountability in your life. Humble yourself and say, man, I'm tired of slipping. I don't know about you, but I get tired of slipping. I want to make good changes that God can help me live right and slip less. Maybe there's inappropriate relationships that you have. You know, those people that tell jokes that you shouldn't be listening to. Or maybe it's an opposite sex relationship that you have where they're, con they're complimenting you or you're trying to compliment them to see what may happen. But you're just friends, right? Just friends. You need to run from that. You need to run and never walk down that street. What makes you slip? Don't answer that. You can't, but think in your mind. What makes you slip? You all probably know and been thinking about it. Is it stress? Is it anxiety and fear of tomorrow? What stresses you out? Because anxiousness and worry is sin. Did you know that? That's a slipping point. When you Now, this might set you free. When you slip in worry and fear, what happens when you slip? You become, in battle, you become vulnerable to your enemy. When you slip in worry or fear, you become vulnerable to your enemy, and most likely with sickness and disease. The biggest, one of the biggest things for sickness and disease is worry, fear. Well, unforgiveness is the number one. Close number two, stress, worry, and fear will, get, will break down your immune system and get you sick quicker than you can say it. You have to understand that when you operate and slip and sin, because sometimes we think, well, I'm just worrying about it. That's not a slip. No, that's a slip. God said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything pray. So if you're not doing that, you're not obeying God's word. Therefore, you've slipped and you're sitting on the floor. Oh, I'm so afraid. And you're making your wide open so the enemy can just come in and go, you're done. Think about that. It makes us vulnerable. Maybe it's drinking or maybe about certain people or maybe it's, shopping and spending money, not being able to control your finances. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe you just, that one person, you know, whenever you're around that one person, they just start talking about other people and putting them down. Maybe you need to stop that and quit hanging around that person. Maybe you need to have a stand, raise up a standard against that. If the enemy can cause you to slip, it doesn't matter how much armor you have on we can talk about all this great armor, swords, shields, helmets, all that stuff, but man, once you lose your footing and you got shield like this and you fall down, you're, you have so many exposed parts. So it doesn't matter how much armor you have on. If you slip, you're vulnerable. Listen to this scripture. 2 Peter 1, one of my favorite passages, so rich. 2 Peter 1, and it's 3 through 11. I want you to listen and kind of grab hold of this with me. It says this, 2 Peter 1, 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him, belt of truth, who has called us by His own glory and goodness. That's no, okay. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. 
I want you to notice and underline, has given. Done deal. He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Think about that, church. You can participate in the divine nature? Holy cow, that's a big deal. You can do that by, and listen to what he says. For this very reason, verse 5, make every effort. That's an intensity about accomplishing something quickly. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection and love. Okay, we could spend a whole year on just those words, but you get the point. Verse 8, for if, listen, if you possess these qualities, the qualities we just listed off, right? And if you possess these, and these qualities in increasing measure. So what does that mean? If you're growing in these qualities, you're Put into, you're in the word of God, you're being transformed by the Holy Spirit, you're, you're repenting of sin, you're uh, humbling yourself to leadership in your life and God's word and changing and becoming more like Christ. If you're doing that, if you possess these qualities and you're increasing in them, listen to this great promise. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should excite you. In fact, take this scripture in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, man. Meditate on this. There's so much richness in here. We can't even get to it all. But I want to get down to this part. So, verse 10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, what things? Just all the things we talked about. uh, Love, self-control, growing in that, possessing these qualities. If you do these things... The Bible promises, listen to this, church, you will never stumble. I know know it's hard to grasp in our minds because we're so so used to the, oh, everyone, we're all, no, we were all sinners. Don't ever have it come in your mouth, I'm just a poor old sinner. That's a lie. You are a, a, a righteous saint of the Most High God who does occasionally sin. You are not a sinner. If you, if you believe in Jesus Christ. So don't let that come out of your mouth. Because if you do these things, what Peter's talking about here, he's saying, you'll never have slippy, slippery feet. You're not going to stumble. You increase in these and focus on these and put these in your life, make this your life, you will stop falling. Your falling will decrease and decrease and decrease, and pretty soon you'll be walking a holy, righteous life before God, which is going to be a praise to God and a glorification to him and an example to others. Guys, slipping is dangerous. And in the Roman warrior, man, they needed sure footing. And you as a, as a Christian, you need your firm footing, based and rooted in God's word, knowing that if you're secure in his word, it'll keep you from slipping. Another couple things that the shoes had to be that we won't spend as much time on is that it had to be lightweight. The shoes had to be really light. Because if you think about it, if you have big clunkers on, big boots, you know, big snow boots, and you can't hardly walk in it, you can't move fast. So, the, the, the boots had to be light. The soldiers needed to be quick and react on their feet. Um, but yet the, sh- the, the shoe sole had to be sturdy and strong. And we talked about that earlier, stepping on sharp rocks, but able to move and have direction. So if you think about your feet, it's really the foundation. And your body can't go anywhere. Your feet have to lead, right? So your feet kind of leading where you're going. So having your feet ready and having lightweight feet for the Roman soldiers correlates to us in the spirit that we have to have, we got to be ready to move when God calls us to move. We've got to be quick and light on our feet so that we're not dragging our feet. God says, hey, go pray for that person. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm embarrassed. I don't know the word good enough. I'm busy. Are you with me? Okay, so we don't want to drag our feet when obeying, the, obeying God and moving in a direction that he's calling us to. We've got to be light on our feet and ready to go when he says go. And then another one is the, obviously, and we said this before, they, they got to be reliable. These shoes have to be reliable. They couldn't, they couldn't fall off. That's why they're binded on tightly. Any, mal, any malfunction in your gear, whether it be your shoes or anything else, could be fatal. And spiritually, it'll take you out. It can take you out. So be cautious. Have your gear on. Have to be reliable. Tied on strong. 
as a believer, your feet not only represent the foundation and your traction, but they also represent your direction. Listen to some of the verses that we, that we want to talk about. Your body can only go where your feet take it. Having your feet shod in the preparation of the good news of peace. The gospel, the good news of peace, or wholeness with God, is where we're headed. So the feet are going towards the direction of what God's calling in your life is, what he's called you to do. Go preach the gospel to everybody. Go tell everybody about this great news that you can be one with God. The enemy will attack you in this area by trying to bring confusion about what path you should take. And I know many Christians struggle in this area where they struggle knowing, what does God want me to do? What direction should I take on this? How should I handle this, God? Where do I need to go? Should I take this job or that job? Should I do this way or this, the other way? And a lot of us struggle with that. And the enemy will attack the feet, your foundation, by bringing in confusion of which way you should go. But the Bible says in Psalms 119.105, your word, O God, is a lamp for my what? For my feet. God's word is lights up and gives us direction of where we need to be going in our walk with God in our life. He says, his word is a lamp into my feet, a light on my path. So the lamp, okay, was held right here. This gave your next steps. Then he talks about the light of your path showing you future, how it's going to look in the future. So he wants to show you your next steps, but sometimes he'll also show you bigger goals and where you're going. So the word of God can help you see that. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my favorite verses, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not on your understanding, and all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Straight. Guys, the feet take you where you're going to be going. Let's make sure that our feet are taking us in the direction God has for us, and we get that by meditating on the word, Psalms 1-1, day and night. If you meditate on God's word, you'll start to think like God thinks, then you'll start to act like God acts. Remember what we said about the enemy? If he can get you to think wrong, he can get you to act wrong. So you've got to have in your mind, reverse works, because God's principles are always truth and they're primary. If you meditate on God's word and start thinking like God thinks, you'll start doing the things God does. And if you start living and doing the things like God does, you'll eventually start living like God wanted you to live and living like him. You were created in the image of God and in his likeness. Amen? So that's the life we're looking for. We're, and that's going to help us with our feet being sure. So let's review really quick and we'll end it today. But the helmet protects you, protects your identity with the Father, right? Salvation is assured through Christ. Hell's strategy against the helmet is to get you to question or doubt your salvation. And then the belt protects, is the belt of truth, protects you from deception and ineffectiveness. We talked about that. The breastplate protects your confidence towards God and what your standing with him is, that you're in a right standing with God because of Jesus. Hell's strategy against the breastplate is you must perform for God's approval and you don't have to perform. That's what the breastplate protects. Now the shoes protect you from slipping and wandering. The shoes protect you from slipping and wandering. Hell's strategy against this device will be this, to convince you that your circumstances dictate your obedience. Think about that. Oh, I've had a long day. I think I'll go finish out that whole half gallon of ice cream. You're letting your circumstances, oh, I'm starting light here, guys. You should be thankful. Sometimes we let our circumstances, oh, that looks fun. Oh, I deserve it. Oh, man, it's about me being happy. God just wants me to be happy. Eh, lie. Are you with me? Makes sense? So hell's strategy is to convince you that your circumstances dictate your obedience. He will bring in confusion and distraction to get you off track. Don't slip. Put on your shoes Make sure they're studded with cleats. Tie them on strong. Get in God's word and do what he tells you to do. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you so much for your powerful word. We thank you, God, for taking a one little sentence in your word and helping us understand how it applies to our life. 
God, we want to have a sure footing in you. We want to have a readiness to obey your word. We want to have a sure foundation of where we stand. So God, we ask that you would help us to not wander down the streets that we know bring trouble in our life. God, give us strength and courage to say no. Give us the wisdom to say turn and go down a different road. Oh God, we know that slipping makes us vulnerable, God. But we know and we're so thankful that even though we do slip time to time, God, you are faithful and just to forgive us from our slips. <laughs> and actually, you're right there by your spirit to give us a hand to pick us right back up and help us get a sure footing. We're so thankful for that, God. You're a good God. We're thankful, Lord, for this piece of armor that's going to help us fight our enemy and take all the promises that you've given us and live in them. So we receive it right now. Go with us this week in our hearts and be with us this week as we just meditate on some of the things we've learned today. And with all our heads bowed and eye closed, if there's anyone here today that says, man, Pastor Doug, when you talk about slipping, man, I've been slipping a lot and I just, I want to get right with God. You can do that today. And maybe you're here today and you said, man, I've slipped, I've been slipping my whole life and I've never asked God to come and forgive me. I've never asked him to help me get on the right shoes. Today is your day. God has a brand new pair of shoes waiting for you to put on. And his name is Jesus. And he wants to help you walk. He wants to give you a foundation. He wants to forgive you. But you've got to make that choice. And if you're here this morning, you say, yes, Pastor Jerry, that's me. I want to make that choice. I want, to, I want to follow Jesus. I want to put on those shoes so I can follow Jesus with all my, my heart. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand up and I'm going to pray with you. Anybody here this morning say, yeah, Pastor Doug, I'm tired of slipping. I want Jesus. Anybody here this morning? Bless your name, God. You're worthy. Father, help us to trust you. Lord, sometimes when we're about to slip, we think we're doing something good. We think we're going to be safe. We think we can cover it up or somehow it won't matter. But God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to see your love behind your word. The fact that you're trying to save us, not keep stuff from us. We love you, Lord. Help us be good warriors this week, God. Take up our armor every day. And be careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Hey, love you guys. Hey, let's uh, don't forget to sign up for a lot of stuff coming up. Financial Peace University. We have our marriage uh, uh, outing that we're having, ladies' night out, men's breakfast. So make sure you sign up. We'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and God bless you.